0: No purchase necessary prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm David Drucker, a senior writer for The Dispatch, and welcome to another edition of the Dispatch Podcast. On this episode, Mark Caputo, a national political reporter for The Messenger, a new publication that launches in May. Mark Caputo is a veteran political reporter based in Miami, Florida. And I recently sat down with him to discuss my trip to Tallahassee for the dispatch and my deep dive on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and his expected bid for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. Mark Trudeau is a national political reporter with The Messenger, and he's based in Florida. And that's why we're talking today. Um, Although actually, Mark, the reason I decided to have you on is you're the only national political reporter I know besides me with as much gray hair as you have. And so I'm tired of feeling like I'm old and decrepit and left out of whatever the young kids have going on. So I'm like, I'll call Mark and that'll make everything okay. We need a support group, I think, is the important thing. I, I don't want to get canceled because I'm, I'm, I'm follically challenged. Uh, listen, uh, all kidding aside, you know, you've been you've been covering the state of Florida, Republicans and Democrats in Florida, as well as nationally. But you've been you've been a sort of Florida guru for me for many years. Every you know month or so you publish something um, and we'll get to your new gig in a minute. But, you know, every month or so you'll publish something and I'll just have an extremely bad day because it's a story I didn't get you got. Um, I mean it as a compliment, but I I wanted to uh, talk to you about a state that a lot of people are focused on, but in particular, uh, your state's governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, the top Republican for the Republican presidential nomination, other than Donald Trump, if he runs. Um, And I wanted to open up by just kind of asking you if you've noticed an evolution in how Ron DeSantis conducts himself politically and governs in Florida. From when he first took office in the governor's mansion until now or has it been a pretty consistent thing and it's only the rest of us have only in the past couple of years uh, taken notice
2: there was a real change with ron desantis not because he was really preparing to run for president but because of covid and the way he approached covid with kind of more of a laissez-faire approach uh, the tremendous amount of criticism he received from uh, both the scientific community from democrats from the news media echoing that sort of changed him as a governor as a political character and and made him a national political figure especially among republicans that's really the way he handled the media the way he handled the expert class or the way he handled democrats criticizing him that's what made conservative hearts go pitter patterford so
0: um i just wanted to get out on your act get in on your action a little bit and we before Last, I was in Tallahassee for a couple of days talking to Republican insiders who work with the governor, who know him, who've also worked under a number of previous governors, uh, now Senator Rick Scott before him, then Republican Charlie Crist before him, Jeb Bush. One of the things that I I took notice of was that uh, whether they liked Ron DeSantis personally or not, whether they were excited about his presumed presidential bid or not, they all said to me that here is a guy who's extremely smart and they didn't say, well, you know, he went to Yale and Harvard Law School, but they, they felt that more than many governors they had worked with, or at least not since Jeb, that here's a guy that, that does a lot of his own homework. It's a policy wonk that synthesizes a lot of information and then calls it up on command to develop policy proposals, to make his case to, to others, and that he just doesn't, get. Perturb, he doesn't get thrown off course or scared away when people say, that's going to cause you a lot of political trouble. People are going to get mad about that, that he just doesn't seem to care. But what I wanted to ask you is maybe that's their view. Is that the view that that Floridians have that you have had watching him govern since COVID?
2: I don't know if it's that he doesn't care, it's that he sort of invites it or likes it. Because again, that was sort of a secret sauce to some of his success. I think one of the things that DeSantis has either discovered or increased his capacity for is doing controversial things that make him a national political story, that make him a figure that Republicans talk about. You've seen it time and time again. You had it with COVID. You had it with the don't say gay, kind of a misleading term to describe the parental rights and education bill. That is, teachers can say gay, right? Uh, You saw it with the migrant flights where you know, in in kind of a a political stunt might be the best way to describe it, and certainly the way critics have described it, where they rounded up migrants in Texas uh, and flew them to Martha's Vineyard to make a point. Uh, Like, these are things that in the past would seem kind of beyond the pale or sort of political suicide under kind of conventional thinking. Uh, DeSantis knew quite the opposite, that this is a way to keep his name out there and to keep conservatives Republicans coming back asking for more, and that's why he is where he is. So uh, is he scared of these fights? No, he's not scared of these fights because they've benefited him. I think what's changed now is Donald Trump sees him as a threat and has you know adjusted himself accordingly and is just slowly and steadily tossed more and more bombs at him. And that's something that DeSantis isn't quite used to, is being attacked by the de facto leader of the party, certainly if you look at the polling of the front-runner, at least when you look at the national polling uh, for the Republican presidential nomination and Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, and I want to get to that in a in a moment, but I, I just want to continue along this track here. Uh, who who do you think, from your reporting, uh, how do you understand the, the real Ron DeSantis? Do you understand him to be this sort of more conventional Republican that we knew in Congress, you know, still socially awkward and, and kind of strange at times. But from a, a from his voting record in the House, from the issues that he spoke out on, a, a rather conventional uh, conventional Republican. Um, or or he, was he always this culture warrior? It's just that the issues had not presented themselves, and obviously. Uh, Nobody anticipated, to say the least, the coronavirus pandemic, which then opened up all of these other issues, including uh, focusing parents on, on what their kids were learning in public schools, whether they could even attend public schools versus having to settle for remote learning. So maybe this is who DeSantis is just as a function of issues that occurred later in his political career, or do you think this was always there?
1: I
2: guess it's always there. You know, I could think the moment probably met the man. We just didn't see this, you know, you don't see a once in a lifetime pandemic by definition, right? And the way he handled it and the way he suddenly became again a national figure put him in just kind of a different category of the way the national media covered him. And then the suite of issues that uh, he decided to press forward on and time and time again he he would kind of push the boundaries and find that they weren't quite boundaries, and in fact, they were a pathway to more success. So uh, I would say it's probably an evolution. You know, I didn't have a lot of conversations with him uh, prior to being governor, or even after being governor. You know, he is sort of a loner. Uh, he he doesn't like dealing with the mainstream media. He doesn't like dealing with the media at all, uh, but mainly the the media. He does deal with uh, tends to be more right of center, or you know, in some cases, uh, further right than than right of center. So when you look at Ron DeSantis and you look at the way in which he's become governor and the way he's governed it has been an evolution and you've also seen him grow into the use of power. Uh, one of the more interesting aspects of him exercising this is there was a an elected Tampa area Hillsborough County a state attorney, a prosecutor who had signed on to a letter, you know, a, produced by one of these as they like to say, these Soros-backed groups, where he said, "Hey, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna enforce the uh, the abortion law that, that you guys are gonna pass." Uh, now there were no cases pending before this prosecutor, Andrew Warren, and DeSantis suspended him, and it was really kind of a reach, and an exercise of power we haven't seen before. Usually, there's a little more grounds to suspend a, an office holder in the state by the governor, but. DeSantis sort of went out on a limb, and when you looked at the lawsuit, which DeSantis won, turned out he had the right to do it. Uh, Even DeSantis had doubts about whether he should do it or not, but he, he kind of plowed ahead in kind of a risk. And despite all of the bad press he got and all of the criticism, in a once swing state that DeSantis won by less than half a percentage point, he won by nearly 20 points just last year. So it gives you an idea that he's kind of discovered not only you know how to get elected and how to use power, but how to do it with, in such a way that it furthers his political ends, and that's why he is where he is.
0: I think that um, I think that question alone, um, how did he do so well in Florida in 2022, is is worth our exploring. And and I, I'm going to segue there for a moment because you raised it. We have watched Florida over the years, and certainly, if you came of age uh, politically in the past twenty-five years or so, you remember Florida hanging by a chad in in, in the year two thousand five hundred thirty-seven votes or whatever it was. And we're in a very divided country. We saw uh, George W. Bush win Florida a second time. We saw Obama win it twice. We saw Donald Trump win it um, twice, but the first time rather narrowly, a little bit did a little bit better the second time. Then we see, while Republicans are struggling all over the country, we see Ron DeSantis win a 20-point reelection. election And I think a lot of us are trying to figure out, is this because now Democrat Charlie Crist was such an incumbent retread that he could not inspire any support? Was it because... All of the in-migration from out of state by people who wanted the cultural lifestyle of Florida in the middle of COVID when so many other states were locked down or you couldn't go outside or you couldn't go to restaurants, or you couldn't operate your business. and So they all moved there and that changed the electorate. Um, or was it because Ron DeSantis knew how to appeal to all of these different groups, many who at least sometimes vote for Democrats and just turn the state red for one election? What are we dealing with here?
2: There has been just a, a long and steady grind of Republicans taking over the state. You know, it's still Florida; it's still a place for retirees. And in the past, the retirees who came here were more, um, or there was a higher proportion of them who were, you know, FDR Democrats. Uh, now we're getting, you know, Reagan Republicans in in far higher proportions, and the state is just changing demographically, and now. This is kind of received wisdom. I'd love to see a study on this, just FYI. So, you know, I, I do reserve the right to be disproven by data. But the general belief here is that uh, Florida's acting like a magnet and has for years attracting more and more people who are just kind of conservative voters by nature. I mean, who comes to Florida? By and large, it's still known as a retiree state. Uh, one of the attractive things, we don't have an income tax. We don't have a stocks and bonds tax. So you don't want to pay tax. You got the money to move and you're older. Well, you're going to score out as a Republican super voter. So we're just kind of naturally bringing them in. And Trump kind of really uh, kind of kickstarted the state. Like people did not think he was going to win in 2016. And he also won in 2020 in Florida. And, and prior to that, the, the, the idea was, look, in a general election, in a presidential election of Florida, this is, this is kind of Democrat state demographically. But in those midterms, when Democrats, with their base, had a tendency to stay home more disproportionately, well, it would swing right. So it would swing left and right. Well, that that stopped happening uh, with the election of Donald Trump in 2016. Now, in 2018, there was a midterm. Uh, Trump's midterm is vastly unpopular, but Republicans still won. There was a blue wave other in other places that wasn't in Florida. And by the time you get-
0: Let me interrupt you there, just because it's, it's the question I wanted to get to. Um, so I'm going to take a chance here and interrupt you. We, we look at 2018, which was a Democratic year, but Republicans win. But Ron DeSantis wins with 32,000 votes out of 8 million cast. Uh, Rick Scott wins the Senate race, ousts a Democratic incumbent, but by an even smaller margin, right? Like
2: super razor. Less country. than a quarter, yeah, less than a quarter percentage point for him. And it was less than half a percentage point for DeSantis. I mean, they were razor thin margins.
0: Correct. And notwithstanding Trump's three point victory in 2020, which by Florida standards is pretty significant, if we just look from 18 to 22, we go from razor thin margins to 20 point margins and like a sweep. I mean, it doesn't even operate like with a hint of swing state performance. But, Mark, we've covered lots of midterm elections where the out party wins it all, but they win it like the thing is, they win all the races by like a hair. DeSantis doesn't win by a hair. He wins by a whole head of hair. So what the heck happened? Was it the in-migration supercharged with all of these people that are, like you say, Republican super voters? Or did something else change?
2: I think it's that. Uh, Democrats stopped doing the spade work of trying to win Florida after 2020, when Bloomberg might have plugged in as much as $100 million to defeat Trump, and Trump still won. uh, the, The Biden crew, had said, you know what, let's let's stop focusing on Florida so much. Let's look a little more at Texas, actually. And let's focus more on North Carolina. So by the time 2022 comes along, there's no national money coming into the state. Uh, the states, the Florida Democratic Party's chair and chairwoman prior to that, they really didn't do the kind of heavy lifting that needed to be done. The party building, there wasn't a lot of leadership. There wasn't a lot of voter registration, which was a key to Barack Obama's wins in Florida in 2008 and 2012. They just didn't do any of that work. And Republicans did a load of it. And DeSantis was just in a kind of perfect wave. Uh, not only did he inherit like an attenuated Democratic Party, a national Democratic Party that didn't want to pe- play in Florida, a revitalized Republican Party, which really wanted to make a point, And the fact that he he really did a good job attracting a lot of swing voters don't underestimate how well he did with that crew. I do think that a lot of it was covid related just time and time again when you would go to uh, when I would go to events where, you know, political events like there was one where DeSantis showed up as a twenty twenty one. February 2021, he's at Versailles. I live in Miami. It's the the Cuban restaurant you go to when you want to campaign. And he made some stop there. And some dude, uh, name was Manuel, who was a construction worker, just showed up and wanted to stay and meet the governor. And I said, why? And he said, he saved my job. And there are so many people, so many blue-collar workers, so many people who credited that to DeSantis. I'm not saying it's fair or right. I'm not taking a position on whether his uh, stances and his policies on COVID, opening the state, masks, vaccines, and all of that was correct or proper or good. But what I'm saying is a lot of voters thought that. They credited him with leading the state well and saving their jobs. And you know the old phrase, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. First impressions stick. And DeSantis really made one when he did that. And that, I think, was part of the secret sauce of this just massive win. And he just had a load of money. I mean, he had something like $230 million or, or so. It's just like it's like an obscene amount we've just never seen uh, in the state. Now, part of that was a lot of Republicans just kind of hedging their bets, hoping Donald Trump would go away and wanting to prop up DeSantis. And DeSantis wanted to run up the score, knowing that that would help propel him further into national contention and the national discussion
3: favorite things, Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code DISPATCH at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply.
0: So, Florida heading into 2024.
2: Red state or... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I like. I mean, the, I've talked to some of the Biden folks. Uh, I've talked to some of the Democrats here who, you know, uh, uh, what's, what's the right word? Symbolically or kind of metaphorically say they can't get their cost return. I mean, they can, but they're just, you know, they know they're an afterthought. You're, you're going to see Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina, and to a degree, Texas. Uh, I think Texas and Florida are going to kind of fall in a similar basket as far as like national investment. If you don't plug national money here, and if the party, the, the Democratic Party, doesn't really have a come to Jesus moment, uh, kind of reorganizing, you know, I, I just don't see it. I, one Democrat I was talking to today, actually, I, I should probably scroll through my phone to find the text messages, is he was saying it's a top Democrat in the state that um, that basically the, the the state's essentially unwinnable, and a, it was a group text message, another. Uh, had said, well, it is winnable if they do the work. And then the one person said, well, we're not doing the work. So that's the the situation they're in.
0: So fascinating. Just as an aside, I remember a couple of years ago talking to a Republican in Georgia who was telling me that for years he was jealous of other states like Ohio and Florida and, and named a few others that are swing states and competitive states. And look at all the action they get and all the money that's spent and all the drama that, that Republicans in those states get to be a part of. Then he said, man i wish i could go back to those days um
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the, the halcyon days of uh of being a guaranteed uh red or blue state correct
0: all right so listen um what ron DeSantis has done in florida has been pretty remarkable for, i think from a political perspective and in the way as you mentioned the way he is coming kind of come into his own in the way he exercises power people may disagree with how he exercises power he may get a lot of stuff done that people think is not any good, that shouldn't get done, but he, but he gets a lot of stuff done, and he does uh, exercise the executive office pretty aggressively. But you can't do anything if you don't win an election. So let's talk about his ability to handle Donald Trump. If, he, if, as we all think, and let me know if you have any doubts about this based on your reporting, he gets into this presidential race and then is finally a candidate where I would guess he's going to do candidate things a lot more often than he does now, which is not very often.
2: Yeah, I've always, uh, the line I've used with Donald Trump is that he's a self-immolating arsonist made out of asbestos who hugs you as he lights himself on fire. You burn and he doesn't. So, you know, good luck with that. Like, that's not easy. The other thing is like Donald Trump is a cultural figure. He's not a politician. And his DNA is replicated in the cellular structure of the Republican party. It's very difficult to dislodge someone like that. He essentially runs as an incumbent and his polling reflects it. Now, uh, the question is, is like, where are Republicans? Like, have Republicans had enough of the Donald Trump show? We're in the seventh season here. And, you know, you know, usually na- by now, you know, in the seventh season of a production, you're gonna have some shark jumping that happens. although. One of the things that always rescues a good show is a courtroom drama, and now we've got that, but perhaps not unironically. Donald Trump is, is, is actually consolidating more support. So the thing that you are looking at and I am looking at that we're all wondering is like, okay, to what degree is this consolidation of support in the Republican Party for Donald Trump a sugar high, or to what degree is this kind of real protein that's building more kind of political muscle? You know, I don't know. And the more these sort of, you know, investigations and potential court cases stack on each other, at what point do Republican primary voters say, boy, you know, love the guy, but it's just, it's, it, you know, season seven is just too much drama, right? I want a little more normalcy. And so DeSantis is positioning himself to be that kind of MAGA without the crazy, right? That's what privately some of his people will say.
0: Tastes great, less film.
2: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that that's where Republican voters are. And it's sometimes difficult to make a case if you're not being forceful about it. So the other thing to look for, and I've talked to his people and they're tight-lipped about it, is when does Ron DeSantis start to really hit back? How does he do it? How does he fare on a debate stage with Donald Trump? And let's face it, I mean, Donald Trump, and I say this as a short man, okay? Donald Trump is taller. He's got a deeper voice. He presents very well. And he's so pugilistic and combative. Uh, Can can Ron DeSantis, you know, sort of surpass this? And how does he kind of walk that tightrope? I just, I don't know. I'm not forecasting he's going to lose. I'm not forecasting that he's going to win. But in a Republican primary, Donald Trump is just an incredibly challenging person to face. I mean, look, he did it in 2016 when people didn't expect him to. And uh, I'd mentioned this, I I posted it uh, the other day on my my Instagram account, Uh, I I haven't been on Twitter, I'll I'll be up soon, maybe I'll post it there. I was in Key West, southernmost part of the United States. right? Uh, Two Sundays ago, it's uh, Sunday morning, seven o'clock in the morning, we're gonna leave for Miami. And I hear as I'm filling up the Truman and White Chevron in Key West, Florida, this voice and the mutilating children. I'm like, what? It's, it's like, it's like a Donald Trump speech. Like, are they playing Donald Trump from the speakers of the the pump? No, it's some dude drinking coffee, sitting with his bike and his dog playing Donald Trump speeches. So I go to him and I ask him like, what do you like, what's going on? He's like, and he's like, I'm not a Donald Trump supporter. I'm a Donald Trump lover. Like you don't really see that with other candidates. Now, understand, I'm only talking about the primary. I'm not talking about the general election, right? So th- those are the the complications that Ron DeSantis is just going to face, and how he pulls this off is going to be one of the more uh, intriguing things we've seen in politics. Almost akin to if if Ron DeSantis beats Donald Trump in a primary, in a Republican primary. It'll it'll almost be as great a feat or, or as difficult a feat as Donald Trump in 2016, besting all of those other people unexpectedly, because it is it'll, a tough, tough clock.
0: Yeah, well, it'll also surprise, I guess, the media um, as much as that did, if, if that were to happen. Let's ask the question this way. I think, you know, especially, you know, for you and I and, and, and people in our profession, we really want to talk to voters and look at data, and then we can tell everybody what's happening. And, and there's just a lot we don't have yet because Ron DeSantis isn't a candidate yet. And, and right now we've got this, this indictment out of New York that is just a different sort of a scene than we're used to with a political campaign. But let's let's look at it this way. Talk about jumping the shark. You know, at, to, take, to just extend your analogy, what do they do when the show has run its course with a normal storyline? You know, then they put, where this comes from, they put Fonzie in a, in a leather jacket on a surfboard uh, jumping a shark, literally, which is where the term comes from or something like that. And it's like, why did you do that? Because they had run out of storylines with Fonzie in the diner, snapping his fingers and, and you know, starting the jukebox. And like couldn't do it anymore. And either people tune in or they say, oh my God, this is just not the show that we liked and we're out. You clearly don't, are, are not very creative. But let's, let's ask the question this way. Who knows if Ron DeSantis can beat Trump, because it's going to depend a lot on Republican voters and how they feel about Trump. And, and as you mentioned, how these investigations, which could come one after the other, between the Georgia case and the federal Special Counsel case, how that impacts things. I think the question to ask, and what I tried to get to when I was talking to Republican insiders in Tallahassee is, does he have the chops as a politician? to appeal to voters, number one, in a way that they are going to find receptive. And by that, I mean for a guy that likes to exit, enter, enter through the back, give his remarks, and exit immediately back out the back without shaking hands or working the room. For a guy that hates small talk and chit-chat, is he going to spend time in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, not just doing the Q&A for an hour at a town hall? sticking around for 90 minutes afterwards, taking selfies, shaking hands, and listening to everybody's personal story, which is like, this is what you do if you're not Donald Trump and you need to be successful. That's how people become endeared to you. Second of all, and I'm just curious to get your view on this, he's proven capable of fighting pretty effectively with Democrats and the media, at least in a way that Republicans respond to. Do you think he has it within him to go after Donald Trump in a in his own way, but in a way that can tell primary voters at the very least he's willing to fight. Trump is the front runner. He wants to be the front runner in his place. He's willing to fight him for it. Maybe they don't vote for him in the end, but at least he's not afraid and he doesn't spend his time attacking everybody else, hoping somehow Trump
2: just disappears on his own. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Ron DeSantis would be here if he wasn't interested in taking a few shots uh, of his own. Like he knows what he's up against. So I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, now the question is, will it be effective? Hell if I know, right? I don't think any of us knows. the uh, the the kind of the deeper thing you're especially hearing the national press is, you know that you know Ron DeSantis has that uh, you know the kind of the non friendly vibe. I've been in rooms with him. I've spoken to him privately and personally. I've seen him deal with people privately and personally. He's certainly up to doing it. Now does he want to do it? I would imagine so. I, I can't imagine someone would run uh, for president and think, "Hey, I'm not going to meet uh, voters one-on-one in Iowa and in New Hampshire. The reality is, is to your point earlier about how well studied he is, you know, he is a, you know, he's kind of a, a full politician. He knows how to relate to people. I mean, you don't win by 20 points. Yes. Florida's a TV state unless you got some chops. And I think some of this chatter is probably going to be to DeSantis's credit because the expectations for him are now so low. Like everyone expects him to show up in a room and spit in everyone's face and then just like leave. And I don't know, throw food on the carpet. Right. I just don't think that's going to happen. Now, I don't want to predict what they're going to do in Iowa. I don't. I don't want to predict what they're going to do in New Hampshire and these other states. But I think some of this, some of this. Oh, you know, Ron DeSantis is is like this hostile, vicious person who doesn't get along with people. I don't think that's necessarily accurate. Uh, it is correct that DeSantis's uh, very pugilistic style and his uh, interest in getting in fights and winning them and exercising power has certainly left a lot of people, especially in Tallahassee. With a deep fear of the guy, right? Especially lawmakers. I mean, one of the things he did was it last year. I think it was last year. He had like the president of the Senate and the House Speaker, the Florida Senate President, Florida House Speaker, behind him as he signed the budget. And he had line. On, he has line on the veto authority in Florida, and he just like vetoed most of their projects. Like he was like a total, you know, strongman move, right? Uh, and that's just an example of like how Desantis kind of uh, governs and governs politically. But again, like one on one, he's certainly capable of doing that. Like, you know, I know uh, just in talking to him, like, uh, you know, I'm a Miami Hurricane, Miami Hurricane fan. Like, we used to win football games. I remember him talking to me saying, like, you know, one of his, his favorite teams of all times were those old Miami defenses of the late 80s, right? Like, so he has like an, an abiding understanding of like kind of regular guy talk and the like. So I, I think he's perfectly capable of that now. Uh, to what degree does a candidate, once they become a presidential candidate, a lot of pressure is on them. Uh, like, how much can they keep their genuineness? We're, we're going to have to wait and see.
0: Well, by the way, now you guys win basketball games, apparently, which which, which I say is a bitter UCL.
2: <laughs> I don't know what's going on. You know.
0: That's how that's the, that's the bizarre world we live in, is that Miami, the Miami Hurricanes are winning basketball games, not football games. Um, listen, I, I I don't want to look like I don't want to look like a you know an idiot reporter, but whatever. Everybody probably thinks that anyway. So let me ask you a question in the middle of Donald Trump skyrocketing in polls in the Republican uh, primary as we speak. I'm I'm always a big I, I live in fear of certainty when it comes to political reporting and analysis. Um, assuming the way things have been or the way they're always going to be, assuming the way that one election went means that's the way this election's going to go. So let me ask you, I mean, we're just shooting the breeze here. You know, Trump in retrospect in 2016 makes a lot more sense when you realize what an ultimate change agent he was. And you can combine that with his name, ID, and his television persona. But, you know, the Republican Party had grown pretty stale. From an ideological perspective as far as voters were concerned you know most of my i'm, I'm old enough that I, you know for most of my life they all ran around every two to four years saying they're the next ronald reagan offering new tax cuts or the same old tax cuts and here this guy comes along and starts talking about trade and and immigration in a different way and and, and a few other things in a, in a different way right and and so he's the ultimate change agent and Known, but not in any not in any way a professional politician or even politics adjacent. Other than he was a donor, um, and so it's easy to see, notwithstanding he didn't win the popular vote, why that was able to make such a splash in the Republican Party, particularly because everybody he was running against was considered old guard, and here it's like something new and fresh. Now we're eight years almost since he came down, you know, the escalator, as he likes to say. And this, as you mentioned earlier, this act has been going on now for years, and he was president. And so I sometimes wonder if he's not an incumbent retread who is still the front runner and strong, but a diminished figure from what he was and not the ultimate change agent, leaving room for somebody to take his place if they will just go take it. Or maybe to your point about the guy in Key West who was just listening to Donald Trump speeches on his bike, the same way you know, I listen to country music when I'm on a road trip, that this is just an icon you can't compete with and it doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, I think what you laid out in kind of the, the first part of the question there is Desantis's theory of the case, right? Is that if you talk to the people who are familiar with kind of the data uh, more from the DeSantis side than the Trump side, uh, they say, "Yeah, look, you know, Trump. Trump's got a lot of weaknesses that you de- you can't quite see, and that no one's hit him properly, and that the guy who'd be able to do it is going to be Ron DeSantis. So, yeah, uh, you know, the the DeSantis theory of the case is once voters see him and they hear him and they look at his his record, they're going to realize that this is the guy to go with. Uh, the you know, the Trump argument is just essentially there's just no way to." there's just no way this happens, right? Like that uh, DeSantis is new Coke and, you know, voters are still going to want to stick with Coca-Cola classic. So uh, I I don't know. I do agree with you as far as the dangers of certainty. And, you know, as an example of that, one of the Biden folks I was talking to about the degree to which they're kind of happy that uh, that Trump is getting Kind of boosted by this, and could walk into the general election as an attenuated candidate with all these scandals and investigations on him. They don't see it that way. Uh, they're saying, "Look, we don't know anymore. Like we're just, we're perpetually in an uncharted waters." So I'm kind of with you on this. And you know, it's what it's it's April of 2023. We got I don't know eight months until Iowa votes. Like that's a lot of time in politics.
0: Yep, it sure is. All right, Mark. I could uh, I could keep going just because I'm fascinated by this, and and you have so much Florida insight that I, I want to steal. It's what it's it's politics and the media. We don't have any ethics, so I, I'm just I'm going to steal it and claim it as my own. But but I can't do that because you've got stuff to do. Tell me a little bit uh, before I let you go about the Messenger. You're gonna you're a national political reporter for the Messenger. It's a new publication. Here at the Dispatch, we love new publications. Although I'm going to hate competing against you once again. Uh, when you're really back in action, what are you guys going to be up to? When can we start reading it? What's going on?
2: It, well, the, the Messenger's, a, we're a new digital media company. We're going to launch in May. And the the mission is, is delivering accurate, balanced, and nonpartisan news and information. So, you know, we're going to, the plan is to have as many as, you know, 500 editorial staff once we're completely up and running, uh, which would be way in the future. But, you know, we're going to not just cover politics, but span readers' interests you know, their passion points from sports and entertainment to technology, health uh, purposes and business, right? So that's that's the full pitch.
0: Mark Caputo is a national political reporter for The Messenger. You can find him on Twitter at Mark A. Caputo. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Hope to talk to you again soon. Well, thanks,
2: David. I appreciate
0: it.
1: 18- us.